just before I, you know, I started sleeping yesterday, yeah. I was thinking about, <laughs> funnily enough, I was thinking about how, you know, if another person finds a theory that from his point of view or her point yeah. of view or yeah. mate, their yeah. point of view explains everything, yeah. Yeah. they uh, tend to be like, okay, you know, this yeah. is a theory. This is this a great is a question. And then I would, you know, uh, think that this person doesn't see the entire future sure. Sure. Because, because this is just, you know, one-dimensional. Because but they have this have master Revolutionary stuff that we tend to explain everything yeah. through. Yeah. And so this seems to be like, hey, you know, you fell into the same trap sure. that we found. That, you've created, you know, you've created your own master name. And then yeah. everything makes sense. If mm. you look at things from evolutionary perspective, sure. everything makes sure. sense. Sure. Universe makes sense. Physical sure. laws evolve, you know, stars sure. evolve, life evolves, culture evolves. Yeah. Don't you feel that, you know, this is my just... I mean, of course I feel how that. much of that do you think is actual reality? Yeah. And how much of that do you think is just, you know, the metaphor sure. which just allows... It's infinitely malleable. Yeah. Sure. Okay, I mean, that's, that's, that's the, you know, that, the important follow-up question. Of course I'm concerned about... I'm, I mean, concerned. I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly sure that, that I'm, I'm wrong, that there is a considerably better version of this idea which... You know, I, I obviously believe, based on whatever evidence I'm considering, that the better version of this idea contains this idea within it. It's a refinement of this idea, because I believe this to be a good idea right now, right? But it might that might be also wrong. This idea might be completely abandoned. And of course, many, many people have made that point. They've said it about evolution. They've said it about, you know, the brain as a computer. They've said it about many things. Oh, your chosen metaphor of now is just another catch-all metaphor. But the way I approach this, the way I attempt to approach this, is to read as many different thinkers as possible, to read the ancient Greeks, to, to read the, you know, the Taoists and, 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 you know, Buddhists, to read all these different frameworks, to read things like Carl Jung um, and look at the idea of archetypes and ask the big question, is the coherence of all these different ideas or the apparent coherence because you can always say it's just me who thinks they cohere yeah but when, hang on hang on no i really need to like i really no, need no to final coherence hang on hang what on there... yeah okay <laughs> sorry you really got to let me make the key point um okay you make <laughs> i can't, can't quite remember where i was going um but the, the question <laughs> it wasn't the key point. no 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 it, it is it it's the key point it's that. listen um the key point, it's just a little bit of a difficult idea to formulate. In, in a, so I know what the idea is. I'm just trying to formulate it and speak it to articulate it, which is, of course, the great challenge. Are these frameworks oh, articulatable? Speak you can have. Articulate, speak. Um, you can name quite a few. Yeah, go ahead. Just give me the key point. Well, so the key, I, I sent you a message about this. So, and so you, you're already primed for it. But let me try and explain it to you. It's... Okay. We need to study the whole history of, uh, of human thought to some extent. You know, we need to look at the major players that have shaped the history of human thought to some extent without being too Whiggish, you know, without thinking that they were the only players. Um, and we need to look for the coherence in their ideas. And we need to ask the really, really big and fundamental question, which is why is there coherence in their ideas? Is it because... 
they all influenced each other and this is just all part of the human dream and really reality is completely independent of this but humans because of their shared evolutionary history because of the actual transmission of ideas from one to other etc um, are likely to come up with with coherent ideas about the way reality is or is the coherence indicative of the corroboration of actual reality so is the fact that all these different people have come up with different versions of a similar kind of evolutionary story um, is that because the reality is actually constraining it i mean isn't that the, the... i have i have a third a third version sure. possibility sure. my third possibility is that you see the coherence because you are one you have your own single brain and you can't perceive things from different perspectives because you have single i mean not from like major different perspectives because you are just you you are kind of you know you're seeing it from one vantage point sure. so you then decode everything in yeah. respect to your prior knowledge sure. and so then you're trying to make sense of it in respect to your prior knowledge and you have your prior knowledge yeah. to rely on Absolutely. So everything will connect it via that prior knowledge. Absolutely. If you had a different prior knowledge, you would connect it differently. Yeah, but that's so, yeah. The the best you can do <laughs> is to read. I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm no. just saying that maybe the coherence is because you have one brain. Sure. So I, I I refer to it as the apparent coherence that I find. It's built into my worldview that I'm wrong, and that I can get more. You know, but that I can get more right. I mean, that's what I'm hoping. I'm. I'm. I have chosen that as a foundational principle because I consider it fundamentally optimistic. Um, I could choose as my I, founding principle that well, it's impossible to know anything, I, so so bugger it. Um, but the only, the only, the only way forward that I have yet seen, and I'm I'm open to to other options of way forward of ways forward, is to read as many people from as disparate philosophical backgrounds as possible and try and understand how their ideas relate to each other, because I'm okay. working on the the hypothesis that reality might somehow be constraining our investigations of it. So I take it. As, as a foundational principle, okay, I'm a that's realist. That's you know. I'll be just, just for the sake of opposition. Sure. I'll be working on different hypotheses. And my hypothesis, is, <laughs> as we actually have discussed a couple of times, is this that there are certain you know aspects of reality that yeah. you can't pacify with each other. Like they, you know, not that mutually exclusive, sure. but they exist in the different layer, like you know, yeah, different yeah, yeah. ways of analysis. Sure. So just you know, philosophically speaking. I think there there yeah. is possibility to exist for certain phenomena yeah. that you can't view at the same time from one you know framework. Oh, that's like clear. That's clear. Frameworks and That's very that to me that I mean of course my response to that will be to interpret what you just said to make it coherent with my framework. Obviously, right? Because you're just another philosopher out there. So that's to me that's very very clear. And we haven't published it on the blog yet, but I've sent you a couple of articles about free will and about consciousness, which specifically yeah. deal or discuss, they don't deal with, like I've solved this issue, but they discuss the levels of analysis phenomenon. And again, I consider yeah. this to be a deep... It's not so much the levels of analysis. It's more like, you know, the uh, prior assumptions. Like, you know, sure. in maths, you will have the axioms that you yeah. solve a certain problem and then you say, you know, the parallel lines do not intersect. Sure. And then you can go further and solve, you know, problem A. But then you say, hey, but what about if they do intersect? And then you go further and you solve the problem B. But you can't, can't solve the problem A having the priors of the, you know, system B. And you can't solve the, sure. the problem B having the priors of system A. Absolutely. Like you need to yeah. finish your yeah. assumptions. 
So absolutely, and that's why I have I have attempted, and they're still being interrogated, and always will be, to carefully choose my axioms. But one of my axioms is realism. So one of my axioms is that there is a real world, and I know I know what you're saying. You're saying yeah, there's a real world, but that it is not coherent. Basically, you're saying that the yeah. real world is, is is actually is actually chunked. Like that chunking is not part of our um, you know, cognitive framework for dealing with the world. It's not that we, we break things up into pieces that we can't analyze together because in otherwise we wouldn't be able to understand the world. You're saying that that's actually how the world is. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that that's a, a pretty difficult... Uh, how to put it? I don't want to say that it's irrefutable, but I think it's, it's close to solipsism in the sense that it, it is basically a, um, it's almost a kind of scepticism, which is just that I'm choosing to believe that there is no chance to understand things in a coherent framework. And there's, no, there's nothing that can actually be said. There's no way of integrating all the different frameworks, which is what I'm trying to do, that could possibly convince you otherwise. Like there's no way of, that's just kind of a philosophical dead end, if you want, because there's no way. Yeah, in, a way in a way, yes, I agree with you that in a way it is. And, uh, so I'm really, but, I'm really motivated not to choose a philosophical know, dead end. Like, that's yeah. like, it, I do understand that it's not exactly what I'm talking about, but it's sure. kind of, you know, gets closer to that, mm -hmm. as far as I can see now. It's that, you know, your subjective experience and your objective experience. And yes, they are kind of, they are linked, obviously. Yeah. And that, you know, your subjectivity is formed by an objective thing, which is your brain. But yeah. at the same time, you know, in theory, in principle, you can unlink them. And you can, you know, experience something that is not what you actually should be experiencing, if you know what I mean, right? So if you're, I don't know, a, uh, what's his face? The um, monk that burned himself, one of the first ones to do that. You know, yeah. when, you're, when you're burning yourself right alive, you can yeah. experience pain. All your body's saying you yeah. experience pain. But yeah. if you're good with dealing with that, yeah. you know, if you're good with altering your perception, yeah. you're perceiving something else. You know, maybe it was sure. completely serene at that time. Sure. So he was uh, yeah. able to unlink an objective reality yeah. and subjective reality. Okay, I, I mean, I think that's so, a, a, profound, a profound... I just would love to respond to that example because I think it's a, it is a really, really profound example I think it, it, it's quite a good example of what you're talking about. I mean, I, I don't consider it necessarily a challenge in the sense that I could quite easily interpret that into my framework. Of course, my experience of, of meditation has led me to uh, an insight which I, th I believe is, is you know, something that, that Buddha said. Um, I mean, that's one of my interpretations and the interpretations of other people that I've read of some of Buddha's writings or, you know, the transcriptions of his words is that suffering is essentially the idea that you want something to change or something to stop. It's not the actual sensation. So we have a built-in connection between pain and the idea that we want it to stop. So we have a built-in connection between pain and suffering because pain in an evolutionary sense, is a warning. It's like, don't do that anymore. This is bad. Damage is going to be incurred. So these are coupled together for obvious functional reasons. Sorry, obvious again, but for reasons that seem to me apparent, um, functional reasons. I think, but I think we can decouple. Hang on, hang on. Every time you say obvious, and I do the same, and then whoever wins gets the money. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> 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 Well, I thought that it was actually a smart idea. It was a smart idea, but that doesn't mean I have to um, sign up. 
because <laughs> I'm afraid I'll lose too much money. <laughs> um, probably so, you will lose, yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Um, so, you know, my basic idea here is that suffering, which is an element of consciousness, it is something that is that is experienced and interpreted, I think, to some degree, and raw pain are very, very strongly coupled together for all for, for evolutionary reasons oh, oh, i'm going to start stuttering <laughs> um, for, okay. for evolutionary reasons but i think that with the kind of control we can train ourselves to take over our experience we can decouple those two pathways i don't see that as them being completely different parts of of reality in in some metaphysical sense i see it as we can silence certain you know if you want again this is a schematic and metaphorical discussion of neurons or neural networks we can silence those nodes that lead from the pain to the you know actual suffering it takes a lot of discipline it's very difficult to do but i don't see that it has to be anything more mysterious than that and my and my you know very limited in comparison to a monk that can set himself on fire uh, and not react and be serene. My very limited experience of, of meditation has taught me that, that that's likely to be the way that it is. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, it's the, they're actually uncoupled, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah. But in order to perceive, my point more, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I like your response, but my point was more about, um, I sounded almost Irish. My, <laughs> my, point, <laughs> my point was more about, uh, the fact that you can't perceive objective reality and subjective sure. reality at the same time. Yeah. Like you have to switch sure. between the modes of yeah. you know perception, between yeah. the modes of being. Yeah. So you can you know make them coherent, sure. but you can't be perceiving one and the like at the same time. Yeah, and I think that 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 that's why the so-called mind-body problem is is such a, a persistent problem. And, and I think that there are lots of philosophers who've written really, really interesting things on that subject. And I think that, you know, Daniel Dennett's response to, to what you have just said is, is an appropriate one, which is, um, yeah, you can't combine the two. But that doesn't mean, and this isn't really Dennett's response, I'm just thinking of his... Um, Heterophenomenology. Like I'm just You're name just dropping. Like yeah. I'm just a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a real compulsive name dropper. I was just thinking of his heterophenomenology, <laughs> which is the idea that you know subjective, the the experience of someone else always has to be reported via their own experience, kind of thing, right? So it's necessarily going to be subjective what they report, but that we can study subjective experience objectively right that's his yeah. idea so yes we but can that's, study yeah that's but not study you know, is in like from the different levels sure sure but that's not what i was going to say that's not what i was going to say what i'm saying is that they that yes of course you are correct that there is a way and and i'm trying to deal with that in those pieces i'm trying to you know talk about ex the experience of being part of the universe you know a, a very special part of the universe you know that's essentially the only way consciousness can exist in a monist physicalist framework and we'll talk about that more you know when we publish those pieces on the blog and stuff but my, my key point here is that even though they are decoupled in this way that you point out which they very obviously are um, that doesn't say anything about metaphysics so that doesn't mean that the world is 
you know, incoherent or doesn't cohere in some metaphysical sense. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I'm not yeah. saying that it's incoherent in principle. I mean, even yeah. though, like, I kind of like to believe that maybe it is, but sure. I'm not saying that it necessarily sure. is. But my point is that you can't pacify it within your brain. Like, one person yeah. cannot perceive yeah. both at the same time. Absolutely. You have to click between the levels Absolutely. of, you know, yeah. between the that's framework, clear. between that's the clear. ways of seeing it things. And I think that's so, why the mind-body problem even though you know we can get better and better and better at understanding it and and explaining it and i do think we are explaining it um you know why it exists i think it will always exist it's never going to be the case that we suddenly have some understanding of the universe which means that oh now i'm objective and subjective simultaneously i you know yeah okay <laughs> but i mean um let's like as a, as a thought experiment and yeah. given the time sort of kind of a concluding thought experiment yeah sure um uh, what if you have, you know, a basic, you know, fluctuation of particles, and they're just random, but those, you know, fluctuation of particles, in there are transcribed uh, into two different universes. You have universe one and universe two, and they just use different, you know, codes. You know, one is decoding through, I don't know, whatever, the four binary code, and another, the, like, you know, the binary code, and the, uh, the other one is decoding, like, what ripplery code, right? So they're just using two different codes, and therefore the information they get from the you know, random fluctuation of particles will be different. So they yeah. are all, you know, uh, like rooted in the same universe, but they are two completely different ways of interpreting that universe. Yeah. Yeah. And so you can't, you know, view one thing from another thing. Sure. So you have kind of a switch, you know, between modes of, you know, yeah. viewing it in order to see one then you need to switch and you then you will see another yeah so well i think i think you don't actually need the and of course there are all sorts of you know fascinating and weird ideas in you know many worlds interpretations of quantum mechanics yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff but i i actually don't and I, and I was really enamored of that for a while um and i as you know you know i was i was really excitedly talking about it for a while because it, it somehow uh, particularly having read a lot of david deutsch you know, in, in a certain period, it all kind of fell into place as, as you know, this is probably the best um, explanation of reality that I've come across. But I, I discarded that at some point, which doesn't mean that it's, it's wrong. And of course, it doesn't really fit with what you're saying anyway. But I don't, I don't think you need to say that fancy stuff about universes and different kinds of coding and things like that to, to get the central point, which is that you know, objectivity and subjectivity are forever apart. Like, I, you know, I just invoke a sort of Occam principle here, which is that, yeah, they're apart, but I don't need to invoke any kind of, again, metaphysics or, or weird physics, for that matter, to, to reconcile that. So, I mean, that's a boring answer. That's the most boring answer yeah, I possibly no, could have given I mean, this is kind of, you know, since, you know, it's the example that was devised by a being that has somewhat coherent framework sure. in a way that it has one brain, it will necessarily be coherent because it was devised by somebody sure. who is, you know, sure. has one point of view, right? Sure. So, I'm just kind of, you know, I mean, Although I do you know, I. Can't, we as humans, we can't design something that is imperceivable by a human. Sure. So, very true. Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking that, you know, it's not like, I mean, I'm just looking at the universe, and I'm looking, you know, the way with the things that we know about the universe, yeah. and there is just so much random stuff, and we yeah. perceive only a fraction of that random so, stuff, yeah, and absolutely. I, basically my, you know, 
not assumption, but my like gut feeling yeah. is that the uh, fact that the world, you know, is perceived as coherent yeah. by us yeah. is the fact more, you know, a function of our perception yeah. than the function of the world itself. Sure, and and I think I think uh, we already sort of covered that. As in, you know, this is a very deep question in philosophy, which is that is reality something completely independent of all of the human explanations of it so far? And therefore, the coherence that I'm finding in those explanations is just something about the way humans see reality, which is still absolutely fascinating. Or is it something that is there because it's a corroboration of reality, because our investigations are, in fact, constrained by reality? I choose... But I'm not forced to, but I choose to to occupy that second position. I choose to say that uh, there is a coherent reality and the fact that our explanations of it cohere and corroborate each other in all these interesting ways, which, you know, is something that is incredibly fascinating to me. So I'm there is some degree of motivated reasoning here uh, and there always is in choosing your foundations. Um, there has to be. So I am yeah. motivated to make my, my life and my philosophical investigations more interesting and, I hope, more causally relevant, you know, to have a greater impact on my actual life and hopefully yeah. the life of others. I like, I like the last one more than the first one because I like the um, practical stuff more. Yeah, well, so it is, it is a kind of pragmatism, absolutely. Yeah. A kind of pragmatism does sneak in down there at the very base... <laughs> There is, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, to sum it up, like there are no two yeah. ways to pursue, uh, you know, your uh, understanding, to increase your understanding about the world. And one way lies into, you know, assumption that it is not coherent. Sure. And you can mind that. Sure. And then, you know, there is one that says the world is coherent and you can mind that. And sort of. until yeah. you actually find out that, you know, until you went to the last kind of, you know, step of the idea that the world is coherent, yeah. it's more pragmatical and like you know it's yeah. just better yeah. to go into the one that is like the world is more coherent because yeah. it, it it kind of coincides with more things and it makes essentially more sense sure. so just by virtue of this you know Oops. being yielding better fruit basically you know if it is then you're just getting you know more um, Absolutely. I also think, uh, just, just to um, corroborate exactly what you're saying, I think it actually, and extend, I think it actually goes a little bit farther, further than that, which is that I think it's, it would be it bas basically pathological and for, for evolutionary reasons, for you know, contingent constraint re reasons to do with the way our brain works... Um, I think it would be would be borderline pathological to to start with the precept that the world is not coherent, because I think that our entire um, mode of operating in the world, you know, that is the entire purpose of consciousness is to discover patterns in the world that we can turn into affordances, you know. And so if you believe that there are no fundamental patterns in the world, you're going to have a really, really hard time existing. <laughs> I'm not saying that there are no fundamental patterns in the world. I'm sure. saying that there are patterns that apply in the case A. Yeah, and then there are yeah no, fair enough. Fair enough. But I, I, yeah, I just think that the, the idea... Well, that, sorry? Right. Yeah. Um, so they're special. Like, there, there are patterns. It's just, you yeah. know, there are, um, uh, like, uh, 
separated by you know whatever the sure. time or space like so yeah. they're just they're yeah. assigned to a special lofty of time space well i and think the, that's you know, clearly true the, the that, whatever equation x yeah. or law x yeah. holds true here but doesn't hold oh, true there well yeah and i think that there's a, there's an obvious way <laughs> in which yeah it's clearly not obvious actually there is a way in which that's definitely true and that's why i am you know, dare I say it, a pan-evolutionist or something like that. And and therefore, I'm kind of committed to the idea. And, and again, I'm only committed to it until a better idea comes along. Like, I'm not going to go to war over it. Um, I'm committed to the idea... Go to war. I think every, every human should go to war at least once. I'm, I'm committed to the idea that what you just said is true and that there is some sense in which, you know only a, a kind of a version of the present is real at any given time. And so other time points are in some sense remote. They are connected by some sort of causal chain, but they don't have the same level of existence as the present. And that the, over that you know, course of the entire history of the universe, the laws that constrain whatever has happened at any given time point have actually changed. I mean, I, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm very attracted to Lee Smolin's ideas, as you know, in that regard at the moment, because they're very coherent with the rest of my framework. That may change. You know, for a while I was really attracted to the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics. Uh, so that certainly may change. But at the moment, it's almost necessarily true that, um, you know, distinct time points are isolated from each other in some... So not, therefore, coherent with each other in some sense. Yeah. I think we'll talk about magic. You know, some other